The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Welcome to the Trumpet Daily Program. I'm Dwight Falk, filling in for Stephen Flurry today. Hopefully you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I certainly did. Had some uh, friends and family over and uh, enjoyed that quite a bit. And uh, even with all the mounting problems we do have in this country, which are addressed very often on this program, we still have a lot of blessings. It's amazing how many blessings there are in the United States of America and some of the other nations in the West. And that was uh, talked about a little bit yesterday by Andrew Loker. So if you missed yesterday's Trumpet Daily, check that out. Make sure you watch that and be reminded of why we have the blessings that we have. It really is amazing what we do have in this country still. And uh, again, thank you for joining us on The Trumpet Daily today. As a reminder, you can catch the program at thetrumpet.com forward slash live, where many of you are watching at this moment. But if you'd like to watch it later, you can get it on your favorite podcast apps. And you can listen also nationwide on CRN3 Digital Radio. So that is another place you can get The Trumpet Daily and, of course, on kpcg.fm as well. So lots of places to check out the program. Well, if you've been watching the news, which you do probably because you watch this program, we do talk about the news a lot, no doubt you've just seen this constant, constant barrage of stories about mass shootings in the U.S. And it's just, it's, it gets pretty uh, discouraging, quite frankly. You know, you turn on the, the news, you turn on the, uh, whatever the sources you're looking at, and it's just more and more headlines about violence, and destruction and killing. Mass shootings have been a big part of that. And a mass shooting is defined by four or more shot or killed, not including the shooter. So there's lots of crime. It's not always shooting, but sometimes it is. And and uh, mass shooting, that's how they define that. The most recent was Tuesday night. That was inside a Walmart. You saw this story, no doubt. In Chesapeake, Virginia, six employees were killed by a manager. Then he killed himself and two other people remain hospitalized. So that was just the most, one of the most recent ones that garnered national attention. CNN talked about that and then also went on to talk about some of these other shootings that have occurred, and this is what they reported. They say another Virginia community has also been enduring the pain of lives lost to gun violence. About 170 miles west of Chesapeake, a 22-year-old student at the University of Virginia in Charlottesville has been arrested and charged after opening fire on fellow students on November 13th, killing three of them on a bus returning to campus from a field trip to Washington, D.C. They say grief has also permeated a Colorado community last weekend when a 22-year-old suspect shot and killed five people at an LGBTQ nightclub in Colorado Springs injuring 19 others. So that was talked about here on the program earlier this week as well, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that specifically as we go. But CNN says these shootings, among many others, have put the U.S. on an ominous track of making 2022 the second highest year for mass shootings on record, according to data from Gun Violence Archive. And so we're on track to have a pretty uh, deadly year 
from, from this gun violence. The Guardian reports that other mass shootings occurred throughout the country over the past week, so there's been more. You've probably heard of some of these. On Sunday, four people in Oklahoma, where we're broadcasting from, the state anyway, uh, they were gunned down at a marijuana farm. And meanwhile, a mother and her three kids were killed in Richmond, Virginia on Friday. Just more and more reports of this. So, of course, in the wake of these shootings, there is a push to ban assault weapons. Joe Biden talked about this. Here is what he said. This is clip one. The idea we still allow semi-automatic weapons to be purchased is sick. It's just sick. It has no, no social redeeming value. Zero. None. I'm going to try. What will you try and do? I'm going to try to get rid of assault weapons. During the lame duck? I'm going to do it whenever I, I got to make that assessment as I get in and start counting the votes. And Mr. Yeah. So Joe Biden wants to uh, ban the assault weapons. He's he's uh, talked about this a lot and been involved with this this mode of thinking for some time. And here is uh, what Stephen Fleury wrote. He wrote this at thetrumpa.com. This was on March 25th of this year. And this was written after there was another shooting. This was the mass shooting in Colorado at a King Supers supermarket in Boulder, Colorado. There's so many of these that it's easy to kind of forget about some of these and, and when they happen. But this was that, that supermarket shooting. And the shooter was identified as a 21-year-old uh, man, Ahmed Al-Aloui Alissa, a Muslim immigrant from Syria. So if you remember that shooting, um, you know, right away the narrative was that it was uh, a conservative person and so on and so forth. And then they, they get into all the assault uh, weapons talk. And then it comes out, well, this is actually a, a terrorist act committed by somebody that's a Muslim immigrant from Syria. So it kind of blew up their narrative a little bit about who was doing these things or the reason for doing them. But still, they say, okay, well, we got to talk about these, these weapons. So here's what uh, Stephen Fleury wrote. He said, so both Obama and Biden are calling on Congress to ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines like they did when they passed the federal assault weapons ban of 1994. So they, this has been passed in the, in, in the past. <laughs> 1994, they actually had the uh, federal assault weapons ban. And Joe Biden was involved in that, and he'll, he'll, he likes to point that out. Says this 10-year ban expired in 2004 and was not renewed because, contrary to Biden's assertions, several studies determined that the ban did not have a significant effect on firearm homicides. So when they really look at the data, even when they banned the weapons, it didn't end the problem. There was still violence. There was still killing. It didn't do away with it. So it expired. The, the law or, or expired after 10 years. And uh, it did not significantly affect firearm homicides. It says, plus, the ban is almost certainly a violation of the Second Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. Well, there's that pesky Constitution again. There are some rules in place. And that states, quote, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So it gets back to the fact that if the people don't have weapons and the government has a lot of weapons, you're going to have some problems. You're not going to have a free state anymore because, well, the government will do whatever it wants at that point. And history has shown that to be true, where governments have done that. They've gotten rid of 
weapons in the populace, and then, well, they have all the weapons. So when they talk about an assault weapons ban, they're talking about banning it from, from you having it. They're going to have them. They're going to have a lot of them. But you can't have any. That's what they're saying. Now, they'd say, well, it's just the assault weapons. We're not talking about the others. But just remember, just think back to COVID. I just think about that and the, the blueprint there where they said, look, just 10 days to stop the spread. Just give us power for 10 days. And then it went on for years, right? And then we're still kind of in, in the mix with that. And so you can see the principle there that if you, you give up power, you give up your rights, they don't come back. They do not come back. They don't come back easy anyway. And so there's this constitution that they have to think about. Well, wait a second. Why, why, uh, why take away the weapons from a populace? Well, uh, it's because then they have complete control. Mr. Fleury wrote, since the AR-15 is the most commonly owned rifle in America, it is certainly protected by the common use standard established by the U.S. Supreme Court. And he references a case there. But, but notice this, what he also wrote. U.S. Representative uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene has further noted that, quote, Colorado has everything the left has asked for. They, they're already doing a lot of this, including universal background checks, red flag gun seizure laws, high-capacity magazine bans, and a passing gun control grade from American advocacy and research organization uh, Giffords. And all of that still did not stop a radical Islamist from obtaining a lethal weapon and massacring people. They already did it. They already had a lot of it on the books, and they, they were uh, really strict with their gun laws. But it didn't stop that mass shooting at that supermarket. It, there was that mass shooting just now that we're talking about in Colorado at that, that uh, gay bar. Did, the, did the, the rules stop the shooting? It certainly did not. It did not. So... Mr. Fleury writes, so the radical left's gun control proposal is not really about keeping guns out of the hands of terrorists and criminals who can buy guns on the black market if they want them. That's always an important point. They want to put rules on the books. Who follows the rules? Law-abiding citizens. Who does not follow them? Criminals. They'll get them. Aren't there a lot of things that are technically illegal in this country and yet people seem to have them? Well, criminals will have them. Law-abiding citizens will not. He says the radical left's gun control proposals are about keeping guns out of the hands of law-abiding citizens. You do not have to know a lot about history to realize why the Biden-Harris administration's proposed gun policies are dangerous. Because they will take the guns from you, and they'll, but they're going to keep them all. The government will have all the guns, you'll have none. Is that a very good situation? Well, of course it's not. Of course it is. And our founding fathers understood that. They knew you, you, can't, you can't have a government that's armed to the teeth and have a populace that has no way of defending themselves. You can't have it because what are you going to have? You'll have a tyranny. You'll have somebody come into power and take over. And we've seen the left take over already through many ways. Well, if they got all the weapons, just imagine what they would do. Now, they propose it like, hey, this is just to get rid of gun violence. No, it's not about that. It's about taking the weapons away from law-abiding citizens and taking full control themselves. And we saw that sort of unfold with the COVID, like I mentioned, you know, 10 days. Give us 10 days. <laughs> How much did they take when they got 10 days of power? They took years, years of it. So 
again, you have, we have to understand what's really going on in that article that you see there, Barack Obama's radical gun control agenda at the Trump. Go back and read that. Anytime you hear this talk about banning assault weapons, just remember what's the history and what's really going on here. It's so important to uh, keep that in mind. <clears throat> but of course, these crimes, are, they're horrific. Obviously, gun violence is terrible. Nobody likes that. Nobody wants to see that. You know, whether it's shootings, stabbings, running people over with cars, the violence is just blowing up in this country. Something's very wrong. Something's very wrong. Uh, Ezekiel 7 mentions something about this. Ezekiel 7 and verse 23 is talking about our time today. And it says this, Make a chain, for the land is full of bloody crimes, and the city is full of violence. Does that sound like our day-to-day, bloody crimes, making a chain where you just sort of stack one next to the other, next to the other, and at the end you've got this chain? Don't we have a chain of mass shootings in this country and other, other killings, whether it's gun-related or not? Just a chain, one after the other after the other. You barely get done thinking about one, and there's another one that's happened. It, it's full of violence. The city is full of violence. You know where the violence really is in those Dem-run cities, Democratic-run cities. It's everywhere, but especially when they've gotten rid of the police or they've really sort of uh, um, tried to eliminate the, the, the police control there just to a certain extent or upholding the law, well, you just have violence run crazy in the cities. It's terrible. What's the root cause of this violence? I mean, where is it coming from? Well, it, it's sin. <laughs> sin is the cause of it all. And especially one aspect of that, and that's family breakdown. The breakdown of the family, that's what is not being addressed outside of the Trumpet magazine and this program. And, I mean, there are a few people, I suppose, outside of uh, this organization that see some of that. But, but really, pointing back to the family breakdown issue, why are people going around killing other people? How did they grow up? Like, what happened in their house? You know, nobody's just born a killer. Something happens. Something happens. Notice this. This is really, uh, I think, well, it's, it's quite interesting to look at. It's in Proverbs 1. Of course, Proverbs gives great wisdom, understanding to us if we'll heed it. Proverbs 1 and verse 10. Now, this is uh, just it. Notice how it starts out. It says, my son, <laughs> my son. So Solomon is writing many of these and He's writing. He says, my son, you have a father writing to a son, a family, somebody instructing the next generation. He says, my son, if sinners entice you, consent you not. Don't, don't get involved with them. A father is teaching his son, don't get involved with sin. Stay away from it. Stay away from it. So you have a, a family here, a father teaching a son. And then notice further, verses 15 and 16. He says, My son, my son, walk not you in the way with them, with sinners. Refrain your foot from their path, verse 16, for their feet run to evil and make haste to shed blood. So if you get in the, the ways of sinners, what happens? They want to go shed blood. Do we see a lot of bloodshed in this country with whether it be guns, whether it be knives, whether it be cars driving people over intentionally? We see bloodshed everywhere. But here it says, look, don't get involved with people that do those things. 
because they're running to shed blood. And who's giving the instruction here? Of course, it's God inspiring it, but Solomon talking to his son. My son, I'm your dad. Listen to me. This is family. I'm going to teach you how to act, how to behave, how to have wisdom. Our society is just full of family breakdown. Family breakdown. So when you have these people that commit these horrible crimes, like the shooting we just saw in Colorado at that gay bar, what, what's the person, the shooter, what, what's his life like? What, what's he involved in? Put aside the fact that he used a particular weapon. What, what's he involved in? What's his life like? Did he have a father saying, my son, don't, don't do that. Don't get involved in any of that let alone the, the violent aspect. No, that's not, that's not what happened in his life. His name is Anderson Aldridge. He's that killer from Colorado. He killed people at a, a gay nightclub. And lo and behold, a day or two later, here comes the quote-unquote father of this killer. And he spoke out about his son and his life. And this is a report from ABC 10. This is clip two. Aaron Brink says he's the suspected Colorado Springs shooter's father. The former porn star and current MMA trainer says he didn't raise his child. As a child, he was taken away without my baby, but like, doing it on my own. I, my profession and my ex-wife didn't want my, uh, my son around me as, a, as an adult film star. But now he wishes he did after seeing the violence his child Anderson Aldridge allegedly unleashed inside Q nightclub Sunday. I, I failed him. Um, I'm sorry Nicholas um, or Anderson. Um, I wish that he would, you know, if I gotta go fight somebody, I'm going there with my fists. You know, we'd probably fight like a man, shake hands afterwards, you know, and then you're done. That's it. You know, you don't go out there and you don't kill people. We tracked Brink down outside his home where the 48-year-old was about to go skateboarding. When I asked him what a possible motive would be, he couldn't pinpoint a reason but says Aldrich isn't gay. He also didn't know Aldrich is identifying as non-binary. What does that mean? I got to know because I was horrified he was gay. I was like, oh, I in a gay bar because he's gay. And I'm not saying that I'm homophobic, but I mean, like, oh, find something like that, that's the one that you gay, you know, I'm not, I'm not against gay people, because like, these people, they were victims, there's no reason you don't kill somebody. He says for a while, he thought his child was dead, but didn't say why. Then one day, his child got in contact with him. He says the conversations were disturbing, and one was even an argument. We're alphas, I'm an alpha, and he's not going to tell me, you know, whatever, I'm his dad. He knows his child's actions are inexcusable, and tells the victim's families he's sorry. Nothing can replace, uh, I can't, words can't like, take this away. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I feel so, like, life is so precious. I guess pray probably don't realize until you lose somebody, but I, my heart goes out to any victims. Despite it all, he tells Aldrich that he still loves him. I hope that um, everything works out in my way. I love you unconditionally with my son. And that's what that young man grew up with. I mean, his dad wasn't even in his life, really, but... Look at the kind of person his father is, and just the, the terrible life that he was into. He wasn't around, and he was living a really rough, rough life. Well, was he there to teach his son? What would he have taught him anyway? He wouldn't, didn't have anything to teach him except how to get into problems. Here comes the, the so-called father. He wasn't around, but 
even the, the life that he was living, it was horrific. And uh, the mom of the shooter had problems as well. She uh, has three current arrest warrants out for her in California, and uh, she was arrested in Texas in 2012 for arson. So this is what this young man grew up with, that, that this is his background. Did, he didn't have a father figure saying, my son, don't go, don't, don't go in that direction and go shed blood. He didn't have that. So with all the talk about weapons and whether or not the shooter was gay or wasn't gay and all that that they want to get into, how about the family he came from? It wasn't even a family. It didn't look like it anyway from what, what they're reporting. Look at all the problems. Just common sense even. Just common sense tells you there's going to be problems if you don't have the parents there teaching. Here's a, a few comments that people wrote about this story. I was reading uh, one of the write-ups about the father here, and uh, here are some of the comments from just people reading the story, and I thought they had some good insight. One, one person commented, Seems like he had great parents. I'm so shocked by this. Obviously being sarcastic. Of course. If, if that's the sort of situation a young person grows up in, now maybe they don't get that extreme and go killing people, but it's not going to be a good life unless they really make some changes on their own. They didn't have a father teaching them, saying, my son, don't do that. This is the way you live. Another person commented, the problem is the breakup of the nuclear family. They're right. They are right. The biblical family, that's the problem. They say, in the past, mothers and fathers taught their children moral responsibility and values. They're right. That's just common sense. That's common sense. Here's another comment. A person said, I work with at-risk youth. Going into their homes, you realize why many of these kids don't stand a chance. It is shocking, some of the things I witness. It's shocking. The way they grow up, the way that they uh, are taught or not taught. I mean, somebody's going to teach. You know, if they don't have somebody there teaching them the right things, they're going to learn the wrong things. Another comment, I'm a teacher, and after talking to parents, I often understand why my students who can't behave can't behave. The parents can't behave. So why would I expect more from a nine-year-old? Bad role models, examples lead to bad people. It's just common sense. I thought those were good comments. So, and they're not, they're not really looking at the Bible. They're just sort of looking at common sense. And they understand that if the family breaks down, you're going to have terrible problems. And that's what we see. But the media doesn't want to talk about that. Because they can't. It's not part of their narrative. Because then you'd have to start talking about, well, wait a minute. Like, what type of a life should people be living? What do you mean family? You mean like a father that's a man and a mother that's a woman and they're married to each other? Can we talk about that anymore? Is that okay? Because there's a push to get away from that. You know there is. And yet what are the results? People like this that have no compass Morally, they they're just out there living a very, a very corrupt life, and then they end up running to shed blood. And they don't have a father there saying, my son, do not do that. Don't live that way. Don't go with the, the sinners. Don't go in that way because they're, they're going to go and they're going to shed blood. 
And another interesting thing in that this this story as it unfolds from Colorado, uh, multiple reports coming out and you know about the father and about some of the situation there. And one thing they're really struggling with in, in, in their reporting, and uh, Stephen Fleury talked about this the other day, how the narrative is that they want this shooter to be um, conservative in some way, and, and he hates gay people, and so that's why he did it. That's the narrative. But then he comes out and he says, no, actually, I'm, I'm gay as well, or you know, uh, into that realm of, of thinking and living. And they don't like that. So now the whole story is, well, he's not really that way. He says he is, but he's not. That's the whole story. That's what they're pushing for. They, they want it to be this thing where, well, he just did this because he, he hates gay people. The real question is, why do people hate God's law? Why do they hate what the Bible says? Why do, why do they hate the way that God set up family? Where a father will come and say, my son, don't do this, like we read in Proverbs 1. Don't do this. Don't go that way. Don't do that. They want to blame guns. They want to blame any sort of what they would view as conservative values. They want to blame all of those things, but they're not talking about the family breakdown. They're not talking about that. And why people are growing up to do these things, like some of those people commented, if the parents can't behave, why would the kids behave? They're not just going to figure it out. Somebody has to teach them. Somebody has to give them some direction in life. If they don't have that, well, you end up with what, what we have in front of us, which is just crime after crime after crime after crime. And it gets to be pretty demoralizing, doesn't it? But the beautiful thing is it can be fixed with family. With family. You know, why do people hate family, many of them? Why do they hate it so much? Well, it's because what it says in Ephesians 2 and verse 2. Satan is the prince of the power of the air the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. Satan broadcasts that hatred. He hates it. He hates the God family. He hates man's potential. There's so much good that God has in store for man. Satan hates it. And so he broadcasts that hatred. And people pick up on that. They pick up on that. The prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. What spirit was at work in that nightclub? in general, <laughs> but then also in particular with the shooting. What spirit was involved there? Was that now the spirit that works in the children of disobedience? Absolutely it was. Satan hates those things. He hates God's truth. He hates the God family. He hates family, and he works to destroy it in every way that he can. And you just see it happening over and over again, and then people say, well, get rid of the weapons or, you know, um, you know, get rid of the family even more, destroy it even more. That's where the problem is. But the solution is in what we read there in Proverbs. A father saying to his son, my son, don't do this. Family, instruction. We have a great book, The God Family Vision. Also, redefining family. You need both of those. And see what God says about family, what the vision is for family, what he wants to produce with family, and then how that's being attacked today. The God Family Vision and Redefining Family, both are free at thetrumpet.com. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back and talk about the importance of being open-minded when it comes to the truth of God. You're listening to The Trumpet Daily. We'll be right back. The Trumpet Daily. 
A child is a miraculous blessing from God, an opportunity to build his family. In his word, God says to train them up in the way that they should go, so that when they are old, they will not depart from it. But how should you train up your child? Most parents do not know. Most parenting books offer only limited help because their authors do not understand the purpose and potential of your child's mind. As a result, millions of children grow up to be hopeless without any direction in life. Many come from broken homes. Many do not have a home. This is why so many young people become delinquent, rebellious, and unsuccessful as teenagers and adults. But you can rear successful, jubilant children and avoid the heartache of an unhappy and miserable home. God has outlined how to rear obedient children in His Word. Our free book, Child Rearing with Vision, will show you how to raise children that follow after God's abundant way of life. It will help you build a strong, united family. It will help you bring God's love into your child rearing. And it will guide you through the momentous journey of preparing your child to serve God the Father forever. Request your free copy of Child Rearing with Vision at our website, thetrumpet.com. The Trumpet Daily. Welcome back to The Trumpet Daily. I'm Dwight Falk filling in for Stephen Flurry today. He'll be back on uh, Monday. That was a great uh, book they were advertised in the break as well, Child Rearing with Vision. That's really important to, you know, to, to raise children the right way. Well, what's the right way? What do we teach them? You know, well, we teach them about God's law, how to live, how to be happy, how to be a benefit to society. Awesome book. It's free at thetrumpet.com along with all of our literature. Please get that book. The uh, trumpet.com, you can get it there. You can send your request to td at the trumpet.com as well. Also, any comments you have, you can send those there. Also, 1 866 930 3024. 1 866 930 3024. You can call that number and request any of our literature free, <clears throat> and it really gives you that insight that you need. Because we see so many problems in society, and it can get discouraging, but the beautiful thing is there's solutions to it, but it is in God's Word. It's in God's Word, and yet people struggle with that. They really struggle with God's Word and, and accepting it. And uh, why is that? Well, let me ask you a question. Would you consider yourself to be an open-minded person? That's something that's really, I think, uh, praised in society today, at least some version or some thought about that, being very open-minded. People say, I'm open-minded. I'm very open-minded. But are we open-minded when it comes to the truth of God? That's the question. Are we open-minded when it comes to the truth of God? People are open-minded about a lot of lies, but how about the truth of God? Are we open-minded when it comes to that truth? What does it mean to be open-minded? Open-minded means willing willing to consider new ideas or unprejudiced. And closed-minded means what you'd expect to the opposite, not willing to consider different ideas or opinions. But the Bible shows that most people today are closed-minded when it comes to the truth of God. They're open-minded to Satan, Satan's thinking. We talked about that before, Ephesians 2 there, with Satan being the prince of the power of the air, broadcasting lies. People are open-minded to that, but closed-minded when it comes to the truth of God. 
And the Bible explains this. Notice Romans 8 and verse 7. We're going to look at a few passages here and see what God says about the way the natural mind works and the way we should be thinking. Romans 8 and verse 7. It says, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. It's, It's enmity, the carnal mind. Now, that carnal mind is one that's, it's just the natural mind influenced by Satan. It doesn't have God's spirit. That's the way it is. It's just, it's enmity. And it's not subject to the law of God. It just doesn't, it's not open-minded to it. It doesn't want to hear it. James 4 and verse 4 further says that friendship of the world is enmity with God. It uses that same word. It's enmity with God. Friendship of the world, being into the things of the world, that's against the way God thinks. That's the way, against the way God thinks. And so it goes on there and says in James 4 that being a friend of this world is being an enemy of God. So it's even more specific. It's even more specific. The things of this world, the way this world goes, that broad way that Christ warned against. He said a lot of people go in that way, but it ends in death. People are very quick to go that way. They're very open-minded when it comes to, well, the way everybody's going, the peer pressure. But when it comes to God's truth, they're hostile towards it. They're closed-minded to it. The word enmity means hostility or a reason for opposition. They're opposed to it. They're opposed to the truth of God. The natural carnal mind, again, as influenced by Satan, is hostile to God's truth. It's hostile to it. It's closed-minded when it comes to the truth of God. And Mr. Armstrong wrote about this attitude in Mystery of the Ages, which, again, that's free at thetrumpet.com. You can call 1-866-930-3024 and get that, or you could send your request to tdatthetrumpet.com. You need Mystery of the Ages. If you haven't read that before, total eye-opener. <laughs> You've got to read that. But here's what he says. He, he explains Romans 8 and verse 7 here in a really wonderful way. He says, in Romans 8 and verse 7, it is stated plainly that the natural mind of humans is hostile against God. Just hostile, closed-minded when it comes to the truth of God. He says, this does not necessarily mean that all unconverted human minds are actively, intentionally, maliciously hostile. See, it's not always that way with people. And that's where it gets deceptive and subtle because a lot of people would say, well, I'm not, I don't hate God, I don't hate his word. They're not actively out there fighting it as they would view it. But there's a subtlety to Satan's deceptions here. He says, most humans, most humans are passively hostile against God. Passively hostile. That's what Romans 8 and verse 7 is talking about. And we have to evaluate ourselves. Are we open-minded to God's truth? Or are we closed-minded? Are we passively hostile? He says, if God is mentioned, they become embarrassed and often try to change the subject. They simply do not normally think about God. They probably do not realize it in their own minds, but they have a hostile attitude toward God. You know, I just don't want to talk about it, embarrassed by it, don't want to get into what the scriptures say. They probably, he says, do not realize that they have this hostile attitude. Yet that is the very reason, psychologically, why they want to avoid the subject. 
Do I want to talk about what the Bible says, what the answers are to the problems that we see, like these shootings? Well, how about family? How about biblical family? Well, don't want to talk about it. It says, in other words, the average person has an unrealized passive hostility against God. Without realizing it actively, they want God to keep his nose out of their business. I love the way he wrote that because that sums it up. You know, like, well, I just don't want God in my business. I, I want to do my own thing. I don't want him telling me what to do. I don't want that father there saying, my son, do this, don't do that. I just don't want him in my business. He says, except at a time when they are in deep trouble and they cry out for God's help. Yes, at that time, then people are very eager to have God involved in their lives. But they, they, they want him to keep his nose out of their business. But we can't be that way. See, we have to be open-minded when it comes to God's truth. Be open-minded. God can teach us, but we have to be open-minded. Notice Isaiah 1. In verse 18. Isaiah 1 and verse 18. See, God wants to teach us, but like anything, he can only teach us if we're open-minded. You know how that is if you've tried to teach somebody something and they were not open-minded to it. They were not, you couldn't teach them. It's the same with us. We have to be open-minded to God's truth and be ready to be taught. Isaiah 1 and verse 18, it says, come now, this is God talking to us. Come now, let us reason together. Let's, let's reason with each other. Let's talk. Says the Eternal, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. God wants to teach us, and that changes us. Because as he teaches us, we see that we do some things that aren't correct. We need to be changing. And that's why, again, people are usually hostile to it because they don't want to be corrected. But God says, look, come and reason with me. Let's talk about this. Let's look at my word. You see mass shootings. You want to solve it? Come on, let's reason together. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. I've got an answer for you. If you're willing to listen and apply it, verse 19, notice this reasoning is for our good. It's for our good. Verse 19, he says, if you be willing and obedient, open-minded, listen to it, obey it, try it. He says, you shall eat the good of the land. You'll eat the good of the land. There will be blessings that come. If you're willing and obedient, if you're open-minded, and you reason with me, you're going to have blessings. Now, we just celebrated Thanksgiving here in the U.S., and even with the mounting problems, there's still a lot of blessings, many blessings. And it's because of Abraham's faith and obedience. And United States and Britain in prophecy talks all about that. You can get that for free at the trumpet as well. Abraham was obedient. He, he was open-minded. God told him to do something. He said, okay. And he did it. He was open-minded. And because of that, we receive these wonderful blessings today. How many blessings come into our lives when we're open-minded? I mean, think about that. The more open-minded we are to God and his word, the more blessings we receive. God said in verse 19, If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. There will be blessings on top of blessings on top of blessings. So many blessings because of obedience, because of being open-minded. 
I mean, we're all very thankful that Abraham was open-minded to God when he told them, you know, get out of your land, go, go to where I tell you, and he went. He was open-minded to it. How many more blessings could flow into our lives if we were more open-minded to God and his word? We want to be open-minded to God and his word, and he can bless us. The Psalms talks a bit about this. We heard a message recently uh, about looking at some of the Psalms and the blessings that, that God gives us and being thankful to God, and I was looking at some, some of the Psalms. and Psalm 19's got some interesting information here where it talks about being open-minded, the, the benefit of that. Psalm 19 and verse 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect. It's perfect. Converting the soul. The testimony of the eternal is sure, making wise the simple. Now in Moffat, it reads this way. The eternal's law is a sound law, reviving life. The eternal's uh, the Eternals is a trusty witness that instructs the open-minded. That's how Moffat reads. The open-minded. So it'll make wise the simple if we're open-minded. We have to be open-minded to God's instruction. God can instruct the open-minded. If we're closed-minded, if we have this enmity like we read about in Romans, we can't be instructed because we're... we're uh, we're hostile against it, even if only passively. We're hostile against it. We can't get the answers that we need to solve all the problems that we see. But if we're open-minded to God's truth, we have blessings, we have answers, we have instruction where God is saying to us, a father to a son, my son, do this, stay away from that, giving us that instruction, but we have to be open-minded to it to understand it and to then go forward and apply it, we have to be open-minded. And, you know, when we're closed-minded to God, we're just like a, we're just like a brute beast, <laughs> like a beast. Psalm 73 talks a little bit about this. If we're, not, if we're not really letting God teach us and instruct us, we're just, we're like a beast. Psalm 73, verses 21 and 22 Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I and ignorant. I was as a beast before you. I was like a beast before you, just foolish and ignorant. That's what we are without God's truth. What do we know about anything? We're just like a, like a beast. Moffat translates it this way. When my heart was sour, when I felt sore, I was a dull, stupid creature, <laughs> pretty, pretty blunt, no better than a brute before you. See, if we don't have God's instruction and we're not open-minded to it, we're just like this brute beast. We don't know. What do we know? We just go along and whatever, you know, Satan broadcasts, like Ephesians 2 talks about, we're just kind of led along this way, that way, the other way, the broad way. What's everybody doing? You look, just look at how society has changed in the last 30 years. People are doing things today that would, no one would have done years ago, at least not publicly. And what's changed? Well, just popular opinion. Just people going along. Oh, we do this now? We do that now? Well, God's word didn't change. We have to be open-minded to God's truth. Open-minded to God's truth. Or he can't teach us. If we're not open-minded to it, then we're just like a brute beast. We just go from one pleasure to the next. 
and without any thought and end up uh, causing a lot of problems. Mr. Gerald Fleury wrote uh, an article in the latest Royal Vision magazine. That, that magazine is also free. You can get a subscription if you'd like to the Royal Vision magazine, but he wrote an article about reasoning with God and how important that is, how essential that is. And, of course, we read about that there earlier where we need to reason with God. We really need to be reasoning with him and making sure that we're on the right track, Isaiah 1. But here's what he wrote. He said, in Revelation 2 and verse 24, Christ warns about the depths of Satan. Satan has depth in his evil reasoning. I mean, he's sharp. He's shrewd. He is a, he's a liar. Christ said that, liar. But he's very subtle. He has a certain depth in the evil reasoning. He said, this is why it is especially important to reason with God. Otherwise, Satan will outreason us every time. See, we can't get into some sort of a reason battle with the devil. We have to be reasoning with God. Otherwise, we're just going to get outwitted. I mean, Satan's extremely powerful. He is the prince of the power of the air. He is the god of this world, 2 Corinthians 4 talks about. He, he's powerful. And without God, we're just like a brute beast. We don't know anything. And so people just go along, and that's why you see so many changes in society today. Because people aren't reasoning with God, and then, well, this is the common thing. We all go do this now, and everyone goes that broad way, as Christ talked about. And where does it lead? Death, ultimately. And with so many problems like we see in this land where the, the, the crime is on top of the crime, on top of the crime, it's just a chain of crime. So much so you can barely keep up with it. It's so terrible. It's, it gets quite discouraging to read the news, I guess. Um, but, but there is solutions. There are solutions to it. But we have to be reasoning with God. And we don't want to think we can just sort of reason things out on our own or get into a, a battle of wits with Satan. We can't do that because we'll, we'll lose. Um, we have to be reasoning with God. And I think it's just really interesting. We read there in Psalm 73 about being a brute beast, you know, just ignorant without without God's understanding, if that's all we have, when we don't have God's understanding, just our own carnal thinking, we're just like a brute beast. And uh, Eve had an encounter with Satan. We know about this in Genesis 3. But it's interesting to consider Genesis 3, starting in verse 1. And here's what happens when people try to reason with the devil and they're not reasoning with God. They're not open-minded to God, but they're open-minded to Satan. Genesis 3 and verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the eternal God had made. He was more subtle than any beast. And we read there in Psalm 73, it's like, I'm just a beast if I'm not using, you know, God's spirit. I'm not reasoning with God. I'm just a beast. Well, there's another beast that's much more subtle and much better at his reasoning, and that's the devil. More subtle than any beast of the field. And if we don't reason with God, we're just like a beast, like a brute beast. But there's one beast that's a lot more intelligent and a lot more subtle, and that's Satan the devil. And he said unto the woman, did God say you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? See, she's open-minded here to Satan and his reasoning. She'll have a discussion with him, but she wasn't following God's instruction. But she wanted to reason here with Satan. 
And the woman said unto the serpent, Well, we, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. So she's uh, embellishing a bit. In verse 4, the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. That's a lie. He just lied to her. But she believed it. See, she was open-minded to Satan's lies. How many lies do we hear today in, in society, uh, through the media? Uh, the, the clips are played on this show all the time, all the time. And you know, if you watch the program regularly, where, you know, uh, they'll line up five, six, seven, eight reporters from different networks reporting on a story all saying the exact same thing because they're getting their marching orders. And it's a lie. It's a lie. False narratives, lies, all the time, just lies. And yet people tend to be pretty open-minded to the lies, but closed-minded to when it comes to God's truth. We've got to change that, see? We have to be closed-minded to Satan. I don't want to talk to you. I don't even want, I don't want to entertain your ideas because you're a liar. I want to reason with God. Open-minded to God, closed-minded to Satan. The world's the exact opposite. Open-minded to Satan, closed-minded to God. Enmity against God and the law of God. Won't follow it, can't follow it. So you have mass shootings and people saying, well, I guess we should get rid of some guns, right? And of course, even that's a lie because it's a, an agenda to take the guns out of the law-abiding citizens' hands. All of it a lie. And nobody going back and reasoning with God and saying, let's look at the families. What kind of a environment did these people grow up in? They don't want to do that. So verse 6, the lie continues. Well, verse 5, for God does know, Satan said, on the day that you eat thereof, your eyes will be opened. You shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And the woman saw the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes. So she kept reasoning and it looked pretty good. And she thought, well, this is probably a good thing. Their eyes were open. What were their eyes open to? Their eyes were not open to the truth of God. They already had that. God told them the truth. He was talking to them, teaching them. Their eyes were open to Satan's way of thinking. Their eyes were opened to Satan's lies. They became closed-minded to God and open-minded to Satan. They became open-minded. What, what, what's the track record? What's the history? Well, their son killed their other son. Remember we read that in Proverbs? My son, don't do this or you're going to shed blood. And that happened right away. That happened in that family. The family was turned upside down. You can read a lot more about uh, all of that. Mr. Armstrong covered it in depth in Mystery of the Ages and, and uh, incredible human potential and such. But the foundation of this earth is off course because of that sin, that rebellion. And there's so many problems today because of it. But see, they were closed-minded. They became closed-minded to God. Their eyes were closed to God's truth and their eyes became opened to Satan's way of thinking, which is lies. But their eyes became open to it. And that's why we have the world we have today. Most people, minds closed when it comes to God, closed-minded. But minds very much open, eyes wide open when it comes to believing what Satan tells them. Believing what Satan tells them, and there's so much violence because of that. But look, there's a solution to it. Back in Psalm 73 and verse 28, Psalm 73 and verse 28, it says, But it is good for me to draw near to God. See, if I don't do that, I'm, I'm like a brute beast. But 
here's the solution. It's good for me to draw near to God, to be open-minded to God and to his way of life and his teaching. And James hits on the same vital point. He explains that we need to be open-minded towards God, but closed-minded towards Satan. Very well-known passage in James 4, verses 6 through 8. He says, But he gives more grace. Wherefore, he said, God resists the proud, the closed-minded, but he gives grace to the humble, somebody that's teachable, that's childlike, that's open-minded to his truth. Verse 7, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God, and resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. See, it's talking about being open-minded towards God and closed-minded towards Satan. I don't want to even listen to his lies. I want, I want to draw near to God. I want to hear what he has to tell me because he has solutions to the problems. He's there in Proverbs telling me personally, my son, do this, don't do that. And that's what he wants to tell all of us if we're willing to listen if we're open-minded to God and closed-minded to Satan. Verse 8 there, it says, you know, <laughs> cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you're double-minded. We can't be double-minded. We can't, you know, say, well, I want some of God's truth, but I like Satan's lies too. We have to be just absolutely closed-minded when it comes to Satan the devil. Just don't want to hear it. But completely open-minded when it comes to God, to reasoning with God. We have a free Bible correspondence course that we offer, and that's designed to help you reason with God, to go look in your Bible and look at scriptures and look at doctrines and look at what God really teaches. It's a free course. It's at thetrumpet.com. It's the Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence course. That's Get into that and into your Bible. That's one way that you really reason with God. That's one way to reason with him. Be open-minded towards God and close-minded when it comes to the lies of Satan. That's all the time that we have uh, for the Trumpet Daily today and this week. Stephen Fleury will be back in on Monday. If you'd like to send a message to the program, you can email td at thetrumpet.com. Also send in any requests that you have, and we'll be happy to send the literature out to you. It's all free of charge. Have a wonderful remainder of your Thanksgiving weekend. And we'll see you back here on Monday.